Welcome to the Coconuts Podcast. Today is September 11th, 2020. The Coconuts Podcast is your home for top trending news and pop culture from all across Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. I'm Vim Shanmugam. And I'm Summer Lee. Yay! Hi, Summer. Hi! What's up? Good. I'm good. Um, how's your week? Of... You, you've been in and out, so mm. you've been at work and working from home. Mm-hmm. How how has that been? It's chill. Like so, I've just been going in and out of the office, but um, kind of yesterday the aircon broke down, so that was kind of sad. Oh no! I know it's okay. We'll get fixed, and then we'll go back to the office like as new people. It's fine. Oh, so everyone's working from home right now because of the air conditioning. Yeah. Or or Maybe lack just... of. <laughs> yeah, it's a real sad sad thing. Like even I guess when we were all trying to come back to the office, like after a while. I think our aircon was also leaking, as you know, many offices on the same block were. Yeah, you know, like I just uh, I I think about that. You know, like a lot of like offices and places when you don't use something for such a long time, you know, yeah, those are probably like issues that people face. Yeah, absolutely. Same with Donald Trump's brain. You know, you don't use it, it just goes to shit. <laughs> well, I feel like he's kind of using it, and it's it and it's worse. <laughs> <laughs> True. Wear your love for coconuts on your sleeve. Our logo tees are available now on the coconut shop. That's shop.coconuts.co. Yeah, really cool t-shirts. I saw some of our um, crew in their outfits and their little Insta photos, modeling them up. Mm-hmm. Very, very lovely people. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to hashtag go coconuts in your post and we'll repost you. Yay! Woo! And our top stories for the week, we start off in KL, where singer Nora Arifin admits that her teenage daughter made out with a boy on TikTok. Fun headline. But yeah, she confirmed yesterday that her teenage daughter recently appeared in TikTok videos making out with a boy. And I guess that's socially frowned upon because these people are teenagers. And yeah, the two videos were reportedly posted to TikTok by her daughter and her boyfriend two days ago, but have since been deleted. And the respective accounts are also no longer publicly available. In an Instagram post with a photo of a sunset, Nora acknowledged that her 15-year-old had made a mistake and the singer also expressed hope that the public could give the family some space. And yeah, um, she said, I admit it is her. Um, As a mother, we try to do our best to teach, guide, and educate, plus give our children the very best of everything in our capacity. But as humans, we can't run away from making mistakes. She's young and she has many lessons to learn and a life to live. And as a mother, I also have my weaknesses. I pray that she learns her lessons, be a better person and move on. And for everyone else, to give space and peace for this moment, she said. So much drama. I know, right? Um, But yeah, it's just getting this conversation about teenagers on the internet. Why are you doing these things, kids? (laughs) But I feel like uh, they were just like smooching, right? Like it wasn't anything like provocative or anything. For for people who don't know, and obviously in Malaysia and Kuala Lumpur, especially like there is a very um, obviously because of religion, things are really conservative, and I think things like this obviously, will, you know, are are seen in a different light. Mm-hmm. No PDA, I guess. Yeah, and also because of their young age, I would say, of course, like there's kind of room for teenagers to you know go be kids. It's fine, but then again, you know, with the birth of the internet, it's like. Damn it, these people have a platform now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I, it probably was not the the worst thing on TikTok that day. So that is fair. Mm. <laughs> well, um, from TikToks to noisy, noisy airplanes. Now, this is a story personal to me, but um, <laughs> they've been screaming jets, wrecking, uh, working from home uh, lifestyle here in Singapore, in the northeast of Singapore to be precise. Screaming jets are just a WFH nightmare. Um, if for people who don't know, uh, the Northeast is close to a few airports, um, and there are always SAF training um, during the course of the day, and there are F-15s and F-16s flying nonstop pretty much um, throughout the day. Uh, and so many of the local residents in the Sengkang, Haogang, Pongol area have found this completely annoying for them. Um, and yeah, really, really sort of like uh, difficult to work from home. Um, one resident by the name of Geraldine Falk, um, she said, my family moved to St. Kong just over three years ago. And hearing the planes uh, was exciting for a while, but then it got very annoying <laughs> pretty quickly. But yeah, it, it gets pretty noisy. Um, I think they say that anything over 70 decibels is could damage your hearing. And university lecturer Adrian Ko, who has lived in Pongol for a while, says that he measured the um, readings and got like levels of 80 to 90 decibels. So it's really quite, um, it's really quite loud. Hmm. It actually just, it, it does truly affect um, people working. There are a lot of schools in this area as well. And I've always like thought about like, hmm, like, you know, the effects it might have on students, like studying yeah. and, and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, a little, a little, of an, a little interesting one. Um, I guess uh, there's now a petition being put up by uh, local residents where you can actually like sign it. Um, they're going to try to escalate that and basically try to stop the training, but I don't think that's going to happen. So, um, mm. There has to be a way to sort of get around this, but maybe there are certain like times that you can't fly because some of the flying starts really early, like 7.20. Oh my God, that is yeah. sleep o'clock. Yeah. And like, you know, like I think school just starts around that time as well, right? Like yeah. school start at 7.30. Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, people are barely alive and it's like, what what what, what flying do you guys have to do? I mean, like um, NDP is over. Like National Day is over. Where are you guys flying to? Why are you in a rush? Why are there so many flights? <laughs> that's so true yeah people are saying like look it's like um they're saying that it's like token action to show that we're training uh, is oil so free uh or so cheap um uh, you know so there is a there is some backlash to this but um unfortunately i don't see any uh anything changing um in the near, near future oh no i just might sign that petition to help our northeast friends out yes please do oh no but yeah over in hong kong same topic just about transport as well. Um, this bus driver was arrested for dangerous driving during a protest. He was going at 30 kilometers per hour, according to the bus union. And yeah, he was detained for dangerous driving during a protest that um, that was uh, ongoing. And he was driving at 30 kilometers per hour. And that was under the road speed limit of 50 kilometers per hour. According to data from the vehicle's black box, an electronic data recorder installed on all franchise buses in Hong Kong, the driver was not speeding, uh, says the chairman of the New World First Bus Company staff union, Lam Kampu, on Wednesday, he said. Uh, yeah, in an interview with Commercial Radio, he said that the dash cam footage also showed that the driver honked three times because police officers were in his way. And he said that he did not understand why authorities 
said that he had honked for no reason, citing that the law permits drivers to sound their horns if there is perceived to be a road hazard. Mm. Yeah, in a video live-streamed by the police's Facebook page that afternoon, police officers are seen stopping the bus on Nathan Road and boarding the vehicle, and officers demanded that the driver alight the bus. And yeah, he was then patted down and searched before taken away. But also the driver was wearing a respirator, typically used by protesters, and the police said that the driver had been arrested for dangerous driving and later confirmed that he was also suspected of possessing an offensive weapon because officers found that he had a spanner with him. And the additional charge fueled further accusations that his arrest was politically motivated. Oof. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, I mean, things just... Uh, Hong Kong can't catch a break. People can't catch a break. Yeah, it sounds like it. But it's also weird because like... Um, so according to the Hong Kong Bus Channel, a group of public transportation workers explained in a Facebook video that drivers typically carry these spanners to adjust their rearview mirrors so they do not have to return to the depot where they can borrow such tools. So yeah, but it's now been accused of, you know, being a weapon. So, oh no. Oh dear. Oh dear. You know, one funny note from this, or I... I guess not funny, but um, I did not know that um, buses had black boxes. Yeah, same. Yeah, I was always oh. I always thought a thought that was like just for, for planes? airplanes. Yeah, planes yeah. and like chop- choppers and stuff. Yeah, I guess I, I wonder if they, if they have them here in Singapore as well. Interesting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we are the eleventh most of the state, so maybe who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, well, f- moving from Hong Kong to Manila. Isco Moreno shuts Manila cemeteries from October 31st to November 3rd. Um, this period, October 31st to November 3rd, is All Saints Day, uh, which is sort of a festival in a way that where um, a lot of people go to cemeteries and visit their loved ones. And there are they eat, they drink, uh, they celebrate their dead relatives. Um, there's sort of reunion parties all happening at the cemetery. And Mayor Isco Moreno said that, unfortunately, this year, that's not going to happen. No. Yeah, I think because of the huge like COVID-19 cases in the Philippines, uh, they are the, the country with the most um, cases in Southeast Asia. So mm. um, I think because of that, and also um, the parties actually end up being quite messy. A lot of people leave like trash. And there's a whole bunch of like cleaning up that needs to be done. So this year, to just mitigate all of that, uh, they've decided to cancel the festival. So no All Saints Day. Oh, no. But I think it's cool, like how we're kind of all adapting. Because like, I don't know, I guess this culture is kind of like universal in the sense that I guess in Chinese culture, we have Hungry Ghost Festival. Mm. And we're kind of adjusting to that because with our Gertai. So usually there's like Gertai performances, which is like, just people with loud ass costumes going to sing songs. And yeah, traditionally people would gather and the first row would be left empty for <clears throat> spirits. So yeah, now that's going online. So I'm like, oh, dude, the ghosts have internet. That's interesting. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's, interesting to see like all these people like adjusting. It's like Zoom calls, like Zoom calls with like spirits and stuff. Yeah, man. Get on a <laughs> webinar. Like, yeah, y'all can do anything nowadays, like online. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think in a way, like, I guess it is a good thing because, you know, um, there are a lot of cases there, uh, COVID-19 cases. So I think it stops like large crowds. And um, yeah, obviously, you don't want to pollute the earth. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that that's also another sort of, um, you know, sort of good thing. But um, yeah, hopefully, you know, they can spend different days in the year 
to, mm-hmm. you know, a visit there. Uh, loved ones. Yeah, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Yeah, and over in Bangkok, speaking of COVID effects, oh, it's official. And yeah, there's dismay after Thailand bans all alcohol delivery. Oh my God. Eight years after he founded an alcohol delivery service with more than a quarter million followers online, Jerome Leilue found out this morning that Wish Beer's days are numbered. So come December, its core business will be illegal in the eyes of the law. But yeah, he said uh, we won't be able to do e-commerce anymore, describing the pivot that he and other online sellers must make. And yeah, they basically have to turn to more physical stores. Making good on a two-month-old threat issued after online sales surged during the pandemic, the ban published yesterday in the Royal Gazette prohibits direct sales of alcoholic beverages through electronic devices or in a manner of electronic communication. And yeah, this goes into effect in 90 days on December 7. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's real sad. It's like, you know, just because sales surged during the pandemic, now they're like, "Mm, maybe not. R.I.P. R.I.P. So, but this just means that, like, uh, I can't go online and buy alcohol and I can't use apps to buy alcohol. Yeah, but you can still go into stores. Like, uh, I don't know, the new regulations were also, like, characteristically vague, forbidding persuading and introducing new alcohol products or related services via electronic channels in which sellers and customers don't meet in person. So yeah, the ban was floated amid a pandemic social climate friendly to long-standing prohibitionist ambitions. And yeah, it came after online sales gave people a way around the nationwide ban on sales uh, imposed to kind of help COVID-19. Because, you know, coronavirus anxiety saw all sales banned nearly a month at the height of the outbreak. But also um, the vague regulations and advertising were zealously uh, enforced. And to this day, bars operate with strict limitations that include like early closing times. Yeah. So that's, that's really sad. Like um, that you can't like buy them online, but I guess, you know um, I guess the good thing is that, you know, maybe they think that now there'll be hopefully more stores that you can buy alcohol in. (laughs) That's true. But it's also like, you know, when you get like, I don't know, you order some food from a delivery Mm. service, you can't add a bottle of wine to it. So it's like, it's going to piss off some people. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. I hope that, yeah. I hope that never happens here. Yeah, man. Get your alcohol before you go home and then you yeah. order your food. Yeah. So so I guess the rule of thumb is stock up. Mm-hmm. Now is the time. <laughs> so now we're going to be talking about our top three stories of the week. Um, the third, number three story Whoa. comes from Thailand, where the Thai government snuck in some French tourists to test the Phuket model. So for people who don't know, um, tourism is going to come back to Thailand um, and that's going to happen in October. But there is a sort of pilot scheme that's happening where um, tourists will be coming and staying in Phuket, um, where they will stay in um, government mandated um, quarantine hotels. They'll spend two weeks there. They can't do anything. They can't move out or any, anything. And then after that, um, they can actually like enter the country proper and go to wherever they want. Um, obviously, during this whole process where they're being quarantined and even entering the country, there are going to be strict COVID-19 protocols um, and they'll be tested and, and everything. So um, in order to accelerate that, uh, a quartet of Frenchmen were smuggled in by the Thai government and um, basically allowed to stay in Phuket to test the Phuket model to see whether this is going to work. Um, so the public was kept in the dark of the visit. The island airport director said it was to test the containment protocols 
and both the Foreign Affairs Ministry and COVID-19 Task Force were uh, obviously in the loop. <laughs> that would be funny if they just like smuggled people in and tested it without anyone knowing. Yeah, man. If you're gonna smuggle people, you're not gonna ask me. Are you serious? Oh my god, I'm so offended. Why would you not smuggle me? I really want to go to Bangkok. Oh, oh, it's Phuket, but okay, I'll settle. Just smuggle me in, please. <laughs> yeah, to fend off public criticism, Phuket Governor Narong Bunchu said it was necessary to thoroughly test the protocols, plan to allow a limited number of long-term tours on the island. So it really was just a test, like a mini guinea pig test. And in October, they'll find out the real sort of, um, you know, the real uh, outcomes of having people in. So I think you have to be, you have to stay in Thailand for 30 days. That's the that's the requirement. Ooh. Two weeks of which being in quarantine. And then after that, you can kind of roam around, provided that, you know, you're not ill. Ill. Mm. I would still like to be smuggled, but okay. <laughs> Our second most popular story of the week comes from Manila, where Pinoy's rallied to cancel Korea after Filipino American influencer Bella Porch called short and uneducated. But yeah, you can't badmouth an entire nation based on one person's slip up <clears throat> looking at America. Um, but okay, I do call Americans stupid, I'm sorry. Um, I'll do less <laughs> of that. But yeah, as it happens, people tend to generalize. But yeah, at least 200,000 Filipinos have taken to Twitter using the hashtag CancelKorea after Filipino-American influencer Bella Poch drew hateful comments from some South Koreans who called Pinoy's short and uneducated because she was sporting an offensive Japanese rising sun flag tattoo. But yeah, Poch recently posted a video of her dancing on TikTok where the tattoo was spotted by some South Koreans who said that the red sun is similar to the Nazi swastika. And while it's still widely used in Japan as a symbol of luck and good fortune, the flag is also associated with Japanese imperialism. And critics have said that the flag erases the human rights abuses committed by the Japanese soldiers in World War II in countries that they had occupied, including South Korea. But yeah, as a consequence, uh, South Korean TikTokers have slammed the 19-year-old who served in the U.S. Navy, accusing her of being ignorant of their history. And yeah, of course, they resorted to name-calling, with some saying Filipinos are a poor country with non-educated people, oh, short dear. people. Oh, oh dear. Why? This is bullying. Don't do cyberbullying, yeah. y'all. Go offline and go and knit a sweater. Learn inner <laughs> peace. Let's not do this name calling on the internet. Yeah, this one, this one got like really like nasty, like really quick. Yeah, and like I guess Poch was kind of born in the Philippines and her family immigrated to the United States when she was 13 years old. Mm -hmm. And her TikTok profile proudly displays the Philippine flag. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, it was just one of those things where someone took offense and then all of a sudden, like, it spread like wildfire and people just jump on without actually, like, understanding anything. And goodness gracious, this is the latest in social media drama. Yeah, man. Like, I love how, you know, cancel culture, it can be said to be toxic. It can be said to be necessary. Like, in the middle of all this discourse, like, people are trying to cancel a whole country, which is fun. <laughs> That is, that is quite funny. Right, also, right. like, it, it's funny that they say cancel Korea and then, like, um, not being specific as well. Like, North, <laughs> Korea's, North Koreans are probably like, what do we do? Like, we, we're not even involved in this. Uh -huh, like, Kim Jong-un is specific. not going to take this lying down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, well, what do you do? Um, well, our number one story of the week, we go to Bali. 3,000 tourists have touched down at Bali's Nagura Rai Airport daily since last month. So Bali has been welcoming 3,000 tourists daily on average since it reopened domestic tourism at the end of July, according to the province's tourism agency. 
which is kind of crazy. Like, I actually thought that no one would actually be traveling. <laughs> like, even though they said, like, you know, Bali's opening its doors again to, to domestic tourists, I thought people would still be a little bit more like, you know, we're just going to stay where we are. But I guess, you know, people love love them some beaches. Mm-hmm. Damn beaches. Yeah. So unfortunately, though, Bali added more than 100 daily COVID-19 cases all of last week, um, which means that I think they have about 6,212 um, cases on the island. So it's not as though, um, yeah, it's not as though that everything's under control. The other mm-hmm. thing to think about as well is that like um, foreign tourism is still, that's not going to happen till probably the new year there were some you know there was some like rumors that it might be before that but that's not going to happen um but you know tourism is obviously the biggest um contribution to the economy in bali and and the worst hit and mm-hmm. um yeah i think this is a way of like trying to um get that up again but hopefully people stay safe and yeah 3000 does 3000 seem a lot I feel like 3,000 people seems mm. like a lot. I don't know, man. Like, anywhere in Singapore, we do have space. So, 3,000 is probably a lot, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, that's those are our top stories. Some really sort of interesting ones this week. Mm. Okay. So, our guest today is Joel Lim. And I'm just reading off his Instagram bio. It says, PR guy, writer, photographer, and podcaster. And, of course, you might have seen him on, his, on Instagram, where he kind of went viral for his analysis on G2020 in Singapore. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to him. He yeah. seems like a real character. Mm-hmm. He seems real opinionated. Good for him. We need more yeah. people like him. Yeah, and he's and it's good because like he's young, he's fresh, he's a you know he's obviously like very intelligent, and I think that sort of the generation of voices um, yeah, man. are more vocal these days. And I think it just shows like you know that um, more more young people, as they say, are. Um, <laughs> more involved in politics or want to know more about politics so i think that this is gonna be a fun chat mm-hmm. hi joel hi okay, hi <laughs> hi yeah so joel thanks for coming on to the show thanks for having me Woo-hoo. Oh. Actually, I want to know, like, I mean, I know you're supposed to be interviewing me, but I want to interview you guys for a bit. Like, why oh, coconut? Wow. What's the history of coconuts? <laughs> like, is the founder, like, a big fan of the fruit? <laughs> I would think we all are, and we're all just, like, kind of nuts. So it kind of, like, makes sense. Like, right. Okay. <laughs> then, like, are you guys hiring? Because I feel like I belong there. Oh, okay. Um, so just send your resume to Singapore at coconuts.co. We'll see you tomorrow. Ooh. We'll see you in the right. office on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's no air conditioning, so no one's at the office. Right oh, now. yeah, yeah. Sorry, our air condition's broken. So, like, maybe the week after next, we'll see you then? Yeah. Okay, right. set. See you. I'll clean the your chair. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, guys. I'm so excited to be on. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, we're happy for you to be here, man. Like, uh, yeah, I guess, like, for our listeners who, who don't really know you that well, maybe you can give us, like, the quick, like, the Tinder notes uh, of, <laughs> of who you are and... and... What is the Tinder note? <laughs> Like, you know, like, you know, summary of who you are. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so, hello to all the coconut listeners, the coconut nutties. Um, <laughs> uh, so, basically, I am, uh, well, how I introduce myself these days is that I am a PR and events executive that got a little bit viral during the elections period, um, whereby I did some analysis videos on social media with regard to 
the political parties and how they approach their digital campaigns. And then ever since then, like, I, I guess I've been like kind of like vocal on um, social media about like certain things that I'm passionate about. Um, yeah. And now I guess, you know, people see me as this opinionated voice for young people, <laughs> which is quite a icky, uncomfortable title that I, that I have to embrace. But like, that's who I am now, I guess. I mean, a helpful it, voice. Yeah, all mm-hmm. 14,300 of us love your page and we're still going to continue. So like, just keep churning out content. We love it. <laughs> thanks, yeah, thanks. so um, so you run Zerup, uh, which is a, would you describe it as a youth collective? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, a media youth collective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you run that. And so what do you guys, what do you guys do there? Uh, tell us more about what you do over there. So like, I don't even know how to answer that question. It's like, I look at my friends and I say, like, what do we do? <laughs> because we do everything, you know? Uh, so maybe like a quick history of Zero was that like, you know, I was in NTU um, a couple of years ago and I was doing a second major, like d- double major in visual communications and then communication studies. So in visual comms, like I was in the school of art design and media whereby I was surrounded by all these like creative artistic people who can shoot photos, shoot videos, um, like design. And then I was in, my second major was in the School of Communications, like Wikim Wee, whereby I was surrounded by all these like super talented writers. Mm. So um, when I was like looking at like the two different schools, I was like, shit, like, can I curse on this show? Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fuck, shit. <laughs> so, um, like when I look at the, t- the two different schools, I was like, damn, like all these people are so talented. Like it's, I don't think I'll ever be in a space whereby, you know, so many talented people are concentrated together anymore. And like, while I'm here, I want to like work alongside these people to create work that I can be proud of. So uh, I like kind of like put together like an Avengers team of like all these people that I looked up to in school. And I said, hey, do you guys want to like do something fun? Like let's start like a digital magazine, you know, just so that like we can just do stuff for fun. And like, you know, it's not going to be making money probably, but like, I think when we graduate, we can like kind of put it on our portfolio. So that was my little pitch to them, right? And they were all like, yeah, let's do it. And then um, we did it. And, you know, it, it became what it is today, whereby like now I kind of think that it's beyond just like a, a magazine on its own. Like we also do like so many other like creative projects. So basically like all these different like young, talented, creative people come together to work on various projects. And I mean, I find it fun. Um, a little bit all over the plate, but like I, I, I enjoy what I do at Zerup, so... Yeah, that's the most important mm. thing, right? Having fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, getting you a youth collective that does it all. Like, I'm just looking at your profile. There's like, you know, pictures, very good pictures of Benjamin King, like with his top half open with flowers. And then, of course, there's <laughs> that giant, like, you know, deck that you did um, about G2020. Yeah. Many yeah, different things, that, it feels. <laughs> that just came out today. So, like, Yay. it was it's quite exciting. Um, I was a bit nervous putting it out, right? Because, like, when it comes to politics, it's like, ooh so many different opinions out there mm-hmm. um, so like you know fun fact like just before i released that um powerpoint presentation which is basically like a summary of like my instagram survey that i did uh, after mm-hmm. the election came out uh, i mean the election results came out um so i was getting my friends who are like from like pr from you know um the the journalism world and from like the the law side of things to just like quickly look through everything um just to make sure that i won't get into trouble for anything so hopefully <laughs> you know nothing goes bad but i think so far so good the response seems pretty like fun and nice so yeah, yeah i guess to give people context for our regional listeners like uh, singapore just had uh, our general election uh, a month ago a couple of months ago yeah, it feels like yeah, it feels like eons ago, but I think it was yeah, just like yeah. last month or yeah. yeah. 
Um, and uh, the PAP, our ruling party, uh, continued uh, obviously, and but there's more, um, more, uh, more opposition members in parliament than than for a while, right? Mm-hmm. I can give like a, a kind of like a summary as to like how like what happened during this election. So this GE 2020 um, mm. is like an election that we called like a crisis election because um, like it was held uh, against the backdrop of like. Uh, a global pandemic, and then against also... our will. Oh, sorry, I thought you said against oh. our will. No, the, but that was no, just no. Sorry. Don't don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so like uh, it was um, that, and then also because like of like the restrictions with COVID nineteen, then it became like kind of like the first fully digital election, whereby mm. most of the campaigning and 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 um, major milestones of the elections were were carried out like on the digital space. So that was mm. quite exciting as well. And on from like the youth perspective, I feel like this was like the first time that we saw so many, you know, youth voices uh, like speaking out online with regard to their political views, whether or not it's supporting um, like the, the PAP or like the opposition parties. So mm. that I, for me, it was like an exciting period, you know, because like when the when the idea of like an election first was announced or floated, I was like, oh man, I feel like this year won't be as fun um, because you kind of like think that physical rallies and you know being in person that's where you kind of like feel the atmosphere and the raw runners of everything um but no like wow this year's election in singapore was insane for me you know because it was like so many different opinions so many things happening at the same time and it's like non-stop like literally every single day like something else like happened you know so yeah yeah Yeah. also like memes (laughs) yeah i know and then the memes of course like the first thing I said, you know, like last election, uh, some of the most exciting things was like the memes that came out of it. Um, so I was really like excited for like the new wave of memes. And like, obviously it didn't um, disappoint. You know, I was just laughing at so many like political blunders. I'm not going to name names, but like, you know, really <laughs> well, we funny. can name the memes. We can name <laughs> We have it together. <laughs> that never gets old, man. Yeah. I love that there's still like t-shirts and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, so so all all that was like fun and um yeah, I guess like, you know, um when I did the PowerPoint presentation also like why I really wanted to do it even though nobody asked for it, literally nobody. <laughs> um like I wanted it to be kind of like a time capsule so that like I can mm-hmm. look back on this period and be like, yeah, you know, GE 2020 was quite lit. Mm-hmm, it was. And yeah, of course, we all know you from your deep analysis of all of the, you know, political media that has come out of this wonderful election. And of course, like, I guess, um, I, I guess we also found you like through your analysis of the Workers' Party teaser trailer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, of course, when we all saw it, it was amazing, but uh, we couldn't kind of explain why it was so amazing. But you did, um, you kind of explained all of it. Like, I guess, what was your favorite part of the trailer? Uh you know, just the subtlety of everything, because I feel mm. like uh, as we go onto social media, it kind of feels like everybody wants it wants things to be as loud as possible, mm. as like dramatic. You know, it's kind of like the 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 loudest voice is is heard right on social media. So mm. you know, when when that teaser video dropped, whereby it was so subtle, so calculated, uh, so well put together, I was like, damn, like this is so refreshing to watch as a content, as a creator myself, you know. So yeah, that that that's something that I really enjoyed. Yeah, man, like, uh, I like how you said, you know, they kind of left like, you know, the reveal of Nicosia and the Workers' Party, like her return to politics. It was like, there was a build up to it. <sighs> Cinematic gold. I know, yeah. 
And I, I, I'm glad that like, you know, people resonated with the analysis that I did as well. Like uh, a lot of people did agree with my point of view. So I guess uh, if you were to go viral for something online, the, the, the best way is to go when people agree with it rather than like flame you, right? So <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was glad that like it was, it didn't turn out too bad. <laughs> it was good. But yeah, I guess um, that kind of brings us to the question, like how important is it to have an online media presence in politics, like for political parties? So, um, I mean, I'll, I'll again draw the link to um, the PowerPoint presentation that I did. So I, I did mm-hmm. ask like the, the, the followers, right? Like, hey, um, like, do you guys think it's important? And like, I think a huge majority said it was important uh, to be online uh, and to have like a proper digital strategy or marketing strategy to uh, towards like digital campaigns. Uh, so yeah, like I, I guess the people have spoken. Like, mm-hmm. but to me, obviously, like to me, it's like, um, you know, a huge chunk of like first time and second time voters. When you just look at like the age group, right? They are like like millennials. So most of us would be on social media, mm-hmm. uh, and that's why like you know when you have a platform or basically a space, a destination whereby like so many of us are already accustomed to already fit into our lives. It's like, that's literally the easiest way to like meet them, right? So if you think Mm -hmm. about, okay, let me just nerd out for a little bit. So like in the the idea of like campaigning, you know, in the past, it's like, you where where would you go to campaign? Like you would go down to like the the city, I mean the uh, heartland hotspots to go and meet your people in person, correct? Like let's say for example, if there is like a, um, famous hawker center in my in my neighborhood. Like if I was a politician, that's where I'll go to like say hi to people as they're eating lunch and whatever. That's like kind of like the traditional way of like campaigning. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it's like the same thing, right? Like um, social media is where all these young people hang out, I'll, like just digitally this time. So mm-hmm. like if you were to campaign, then it kind of makes sense, right? To go to where people are hanging out to to get to know them better. So hopefully like that's, is that logical to you guys, that analogy? I don't yeah, know. It's, yeah, like yeah. A, it's like a like a digital void deck <laughs> kind of people. Yeah, yeah. So yellow. So like, you know, if 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 it was to for me to answer that question, then I would say, yeah, for sure. So mm. so important because that's where people are at, you know? Mm. Yeah. I think like, you know, the the other thing that that this election has shown is that maybe this is the f- future of elections, not just in Singapore, but, you know, obviously um, the elections going on in the States don't want to compare it in any way. But, um, but you know, I think like there are like, maybe this is the way that I don't want to say new normal, but new ways to sort of digitally um, do elections going forward. Yeah. I, I mean, personally, I feel like it was inevitable, um, you yeah. know, with like the progress of like technology and everything, but um, definitely like COVID-19 kind of like, you know, sped things up a little bit. And yeah, I ended up, I ended my slides again, like saying that, you know, I think it is indicative of like quite a promising and exciting future for Singapore's political scene. Um, yeah. And I, and I stand by that because I, I feel like, you know, we, we kind of, it's so fresh, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I mean, I, I, I won't, I won't pinpoint what exactly, but I feel like, I can kind of already feel like a sense of like difference um, in the way like the, the government works or like the way like, uh, you know, how the government approach certain issues today mm. um, solely based on like the responses or the, the feedback that they've received during the elections itself. So yeah. it already we're we already seeing changes and like 
to me that, that just shows me like how much of an impact like this election had you know on singapore moving forward yeah very excited for the future for sure okay yeah i don't know um just just i guess in the same vein like just about social media like um i guess with the rise of technology is like kind of used for everything now and mm-hmm. i guess it's also been used kind of like for online apologies so i would say um <laughs> yeah it seems like social media apologies on the iphone notes app is like just commonplace now and um you did dissect decautious apology in an uh, instagram post so do yeah. you think there's a point kind of to social media apologies yeah okay so let me explain like like uh maybe maybe give let's give a background to like mm. you know what what the situation was so obviously yeah. like you know some kids came out online to uh like reveal or expose um that you know they have allegedly been approached by like d to to you know um <laughs> do some naughty things allegedly. and like um allegedly i, I said it already <laughs> say one more time one more time allegedly <laughs> okay <laughs> don't sue <Allegedly>. me <laughs> yeah so um to give um to give our listeners some context uh dikosh uh is a uh quite famous uh youtuber and uh dj and i guess like talent um influencer in singapore and um he obviously ran into uh some troubles recently Mm-hmm. which is what uh, we're talking about. Oh, yeah. and also I guess it must be said that he is 32 years old this year. So, okay, yep. Yep. So, like some of the, the these kids that came out were like uh like teen, still teenagers. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was a little bit like hmm, like suspicious and uh I mean, yeah, like shady <laughs> if, mm-hmm. I, if I if I if I may. Um so, I mean, I realized that every time um I I speak out on something is because uh, something about the um, situation triggered me. So, uh, like, you know, with the, you know, it's actually quite scary, like, for me to have done that. Um, also, because, like, we are kind of in the same industry. And, I mean, as you mentioned, you know, Vim, like, he he is such a big influencer, right? Like, he, 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 he does hold a lot of influence. He has a lot of fans. He has a lot mm-hmm. of power powerful friends in the industry as well whereas i'm just like this new kid that just graduated and is entering the industry um but you know for me like it's 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 more than that um and also because after the elections i kind of realized that i do have like a tiny tiny like um platform now whereby like i do think that my voice can be heard a little bit more so what triggered me uh and, and and drawing back to like the topic at the hand here is the apology, whereby I read the apology and to me because I guess it's kind of like my job also to always like break down things and also like to analyze and even in PR right like I <laughs> fun fact I've crafted a lot of famous apologies as well. Ooh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so like, I kind of like know the process behind like you know what what constitutes a good apology and a bad apology. And when I was reading his apology, um. I was just like, man, like this is, this is such a cop out, you know, because mm. it 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 raises so many other questions rather than answers answer the ones that we we already have. Yeah. But for me, like, so that was frustrating to read. And then when I looked at the comment section, you know, of um, uh, like his apology post, um, initially it was all very like, hey, we forgive you, you know, like yes, like we support you. And then the one phrase that really triggered me was like hashtag justice for D. Uh, mm. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? If it was a great apology, sure, you know, like sure, like support him. Mm. But 
in that apology itself, it was so wishy-washy and it didn't, um, you know, uh, really, I, I guess it just really like conveniently left out a lot of things. Uh, yeah. Really, so like when I saw that, I was like, no, 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 no. Like people need to see that this is not something that you can accept or at least. Yeah. So that's why I spoke out about it. Um, obviously, I think I think it might be my most liked post ever <laughs> on Instagram. Um, oh. So I guess people like drama. <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, so, so I guess people kind of like resonated with what I said. And uh, again, I think, uh, you know, uh, I kind of like put into to words like what people were trying to like, like felt, right? So yeah, that's that. Um, Okay, like so much, but then back to your 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 your, your question, right? Like, was it that um uh Instagram uh, Instagram apologies important? Was that your question? Yep, yep. Um, so like with regard to apologizing, I I I on social media, I do think it matters because especially when these people are public figures, um, like social media has kind of like become the new age press conference, uh, <laughs> whereby you like whatever you post online, the media will pick up. You know, if you're a yeah. person influence or, or like a celebrity or a public figure, right? So even in like official um capacities uh of like you know people who hold like uh office positions and whatnot, like their their content on social media has been taken as official words. So I mean, from a PR perspective, like I I ha- I have long accepted that like social media posts are basically like your new um press conferences. So. In that same sense, then, um, like online apologies, like, uh, like, yeah, they're they're important for sure, especially when you are being like, you know, put into like a, a situation like these. And um, the, I guess like the the difference or what matters then is like whether or not the apology is like uh, addresses like the concerns at hand, and whether or not you know like um those people who are apologizing are taking accountability and responsibility for for the situation. Mm. Or if not, just like maybe provide clarity, right? If you don't agree with what they're being accused of or like if if you don't agree with like certain opinions, then explain, right? Rather, um, and I think that 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 would have made things a lot like better or I mean, for this situation. But um, for apologies, like, yeah, I think that's that's what is important. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't dissect apologies uh, for a living, but <laughs> well, yeah, in an apology, isn't it like just a three-part thing? Is like, sorry for doing the thing. So you address the thing that, you know, is being held against you or the thing that you did wrong. Like, even on step one, he's kind of just not done that. But he kind of said, you point out the statement. Um, so in D's statement, he said, in hindsight, I see what was wrong and I take full responsibility for my actions. But yeah, he doesn't say what exactly was wrong. Yeah. Mm. So So I guess... Also, I, I mean, I feel bad for D, right? Because I mean, mm. on a, on a human level, like it's all. I mean, it's never fun, you know, being being cancelled on the internet. Yeah, and I, sure. I, I, and I, at at a certain level, I was also like a bit concerned about how he was like mentally. Um, mm. Also, because I just got out of like the election period and the insanity of it all, and like I, I mean, I was also like you know going through some thought processes and whatnot. So I was like a bit like you know concerned from him on that front. But then also, you know, like I. I'm opinionated and I have my own like stand on things so that's why I did what I did but mm-hmm. like um, I, di- I do feel a bit bad that like he had someone like me and someone like Pretty and someone like Jade who would oh. you know 
question like like his apology. So like how convenient it would be if all, all of us didn't exist, right? And then like you know he can he can just like like have that apology and move on. But yeah, like so so back to your point, it's like um not addressing like the 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 things at hand. Um, also there's like there's a I don't really know the full story, um, mm. even though I do know a lot of people who, I mean, we do have mutual friends, uh, but also out of respect for their friendships, like, I don't really, like, invade and ask. Um, and, like, I, I suspect that um, there's probably, like, some legal implications and that's why, like, things were, like, kept vague. But mm. then, like, you know, like, even then, like, as much as he has the right to, or he has the... Um, you know, it's okay for him to keep it vague uh, on on his own terms. Like then, and then on my own terms, I guess it's also okay for me to like point that out that that it's it is vague. You know, so mm. yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess it also like kind of comes back to the whole. So is social media apologies like kind of good or bad thing? But yeah, there's definitely like kind of a middle ground. Like like you said, there are legal repercussions on stuff that he says. So mm-hmm. like, I guess he would ex- absolutely hold back. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, like. Um, I I mean now that you 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 brought up this whole like angle of things, it's like, you know, now my mind is spiraling, right? Like, hey, what, <laughs> oh, no. what what if I was these uh, PR manager? Like, what would I what I have done? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, so, uh, yeah, like, fire your client. That's probably the first thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yeah, yeah. You know. I guess like um, I guess like the first reaction for all of us is sympathy for the victims. I guess that's why we all feel like kind of pressured to speak out. I've yeah. been vocal and very loud and irritating on my Instagram and Twitter as well. But yeah, um, for <laughs> you to use your platform, I think that was great. And yeah, we definitely need like to kind of hold each other accountable. If not, do we just give people a free pass for contacting um allegedly fifteen year olds? Like even if you know it, so so the law is like the law. I mean, it's basically like you know, like it has to hit certain criteria for it to be against the law, right? With mm-hmm. regard to like um them being underage and then like him like making very sexual comments or or whatever. Like that's what I understand from it. But even if we don't see like okay, because right now they're investigating the whole case. Um, mm-hmm. for me personally. Like even if uh it was determined to be uh, entirely okay in the eyes of the law, um, for me on a social front whereby like you are in your thirties, you know, ver- texting very cheeky things to a fifteen year old, seventeen year old, or however young you know they are, like it's allegedly, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like it's just not right, you know, it, it's just weird, um, yeah, yeah. So, like, what business do you have, like? why don't you talk to somebody your own size? You know, other 30-year-olds? I don't know. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it, yeah. And again, like, yes, I, I know that after I spoke out about it, like, you know, a lot of a lot of people still, um, I mean, a lot of people were like, hey, you know, like, thanks for, like, talking about it because, like, they were saying that a lot of the, um, like, basically the the... the, the <laughs> and the, the the real the real influential people in Singapore were like um like a bit quiet about it at first um and mm. I was like one of like the few people who are a bit like you know louder about it online mm. um like even then like you know I I also can empathize with like those people who are being called out because like like even for me and I have zero you know um connection to D it's like I have so many mutual connections both professionally and like socially it was so weird for me to even like dare to say like 
to go against him online publicly. Mm. So that was like, I mean, I could go all on all day about like social media and like the different nuances and um, dynamics of like, you know, navigating the, the world of social media. But like, yeah, it was just such a, I guess, interesting, but also very unfortunate way uh, that things like kind of like transpired, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I guess there's no, there's sort of no new updates from that story anyway, right? Like I think things have gone a little quiet. Yeah, I, sure. I do think it's because like right now things are being investigated and like, mm. um, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Um, you know, if if D uh, manages to like get out of it, like you know, I guess <laughs> like we'll see how that the, the entire situation like impacted his career. Um, mm. I mean, for me personally, it's just that like you know, hopefully it's kind of like a learning lesson for everybody. Um, yeah, like moving forward, right? And yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess, like for me, um, I I would just uh, hope that you know in the creator space, it's like uh, more people will be like kind of like aware of like power dynamics as well yeah. in the industry, which mm. is a whole other topic on its own. Um, <laughs> and then yeah. like also like you know the idea of um, like public personas and personal like lives. Yeah, it's so, it's so many different things i feel yeah. like i'm going to way off tangent guys like <laughs> no, no, but no. i i, I, I no, can go on all day about this like same <laughs> yeah i think it is one of those things where i think we are in a generation now where uh you know things stick what a lot of things don't uh you can't hide everything and things get exposed or you know things are taken a different way or we're so like we are all in the public eye all the time now you know it's so yeah. easy for that to happen so I think, um, yeah, I think just how maneuvering through those waters, um, people are learning how to do it every day. And there's like new things that we kind of need to be aware of and learn. And yeah, and not like you said, like not make the same mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's about it, Joel. Like, um, d- is there anything uh, that you want to plug before uh, you have to dash off? Because you, you have like an appointment coming up, right? I do. Um, well, if you guys are listening to this on Spotify or whatever, like after this show, maybe you guys can pop on to like my podcast, <laughs> which is called <laughs> The Naughty Prude. If you guys want to hear like more of like my nonsense and ramblings, um, like, yeah, that's all. I, I mean, if you want to look for me on social media, it's um, LimxJoel. That's L-I-M-X-J-O-E-L. Yeah, yeah, that's where they can get the deck as well, right? Like they can download yeah. the deck from. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, more importantly, <laughs> like you know, uh, the deck. I think I spent a lot of time. Okay, before before we go off, let me just like nerd out a little bit about that deck. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, like for me, like I don't see myself as like uh, uh an influencer or celebrity or whatever, right? Because like um, I I, I kind of see what happened with with me and like the the thing is that like people followed not because they thought I was good looking or they thought like whatever like, like a certain like typical Instagram um, like I think they followed because of like the content and if you think about it from that perspective then it's like you know I see it as like a club like a society kind of thing right where um, you know if you if you all like books then you kind of like form like a little book club or like you're all like uh, like Britney Spears then you kind of form like a Britney Spears fan club and then mm. like so how I saw things was that like we, we all enjoyed like politics, the PR, you know, like the fun stuff, the fun side of like politics and whatnot. So I see everybody on social media as kind of like people that are sharing similar interests with me. Um, so when 
you know, the day after the elections, when I did like the IG survey, um, then like I, th- I saw 5,000 like responses per question. And I was like, shit, like, because before the elections, like I get 100 responses and I'm like, oh my God, like people are engaging. <laughs> so it's like to see 5,000, to me, la, like, I mean, probably to your typical influencer, they'll be like, yeah, no big deal. But like, to me, that was a huge thing. Um, mm. And I was like, I don't think I'll ever get this ever again. Like, I'm quite realistic, right? Like, so I, I don't think this will ever happen again. And like, that's why I was like, um, beyond just like IG polling, uh, I think I want to like, um, like dig a little deeper and like um, deeper. And then I put it onto like a PowerPoint presentation, get like some of my friends on board. So it was very, it wasn't just like a me nerding out kind of thing. It was like me wanting to work with my friends, me wanting to work with all these new people from social media to create something that I can be very proud of that like, hey, it's like a team project. So um, with the so with with the, with the with very simple like IG polls, all the results that came in. So like the what I got was that like industry people, some of whom I met on social media, some of whom I know in real life, I got them to come in to give their opinions on like why do you think like people responded this way. So I thought it was like a new fun element to like uh to that right because we had that many m- amount of people that amount of people saying like a certain thing. So like if people are reacting like this, like what what's the psyche behind that? Like what's the reason behind that? So that was like one element of it, which is obviously fun for me. And then another element is that like you know I want to also kind of keep this as like a time capsule of GE. So I had an open call on on Instagram. It's like, hey, I know all of you have like similar interests as me. If you guys want to work on work on this PowerPoint presentation with me, mm. come, like come, you know, let's do it. And then I got like a whole bunch of responses. And then um, basically what I I called, I, I created like a WhatsApp group chat of all these people and I called them the um, like PowerPoint task force, you know, <laughs> like in reference to like the government's task force for COVID, right? Yeah. Um, I kind of like, <laughs> like delegated tasks to everybody and all these people are like people I've never met before, you know? So like they were all working all day from home doing research and gathering all the statistics, data, like, you know, like uh, opinions, journalists, uh, uh, works and, and, and news articles, whatnot. And then some of them actually, like, because I only couldn't bring in like five people. So like some of them came to meet me, to like sit down with me the entire day to like work on the PowerPoint with me. So yeah, like, and, and then after that, I got my designer friends who I also met online through social media to like help me out with like the like conceptualizing of how I should flow, like put the data and whatnot. So to me, like this was such a community project and like I had so much fun from it. And it's truly like, I, I do think like it's a product of like Instagram or the Instagram community. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Did I talk like 20 minutes about like the PowerPoint slides? No, well, that's good. Keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> like, so yeah, if, if I've sold it enough, right? Um, <laughs> if I've sold it enough, like you can go check it out at like, uh, my Instagram page, which is, which is like L-I-M-X-J-O-E-L, like Limax Joel. So yeah, go support and uh, go check it out. Yay. Yeah, I, we've already, Summer and I have already sort of like looked through it and it's amazing. So definitely mm-hmm. uh, a lot of artwork has gone into it. So definitely go uh, to right? Limax Joel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looks really cool. Like very, yeah, yeah definitely like uh, something that can be kept for a long time. Yeah, man. Yeah. I would say it's like the design is like better than some political parties' uh, manifestos or like other media. But that's just me. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Joel, once again, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, hope somewhere down the line we can catch up again. 
Yes, yes. I mean, I'll be applying for a job at Coconuts, right? <laughs> oh yeah. See you in a week from now when our aircon's yeah, yeah, fixed. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thank, Thank you, you for so coming much. on. Have a great day, guys. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye. Awesome. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> yeah, he's really, really cool guy. Yeah, I think that was a really, really fun chat with Joel. Uh, so happy that he could come and spend some time with us and chat about all the fun things that he uh, is doing in his life, and obviously like um, all the hot goss that we got for mm-hmm. from the G from the GE and and influencers. <laughs> Can't wait for him to join our company. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get the aircon aircon fixed first, and then we can uh, we can go in. Mm, it's a real problem. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think that was a great podcast, Summer. Um, I'm excited to see who we have next week. Uh, I, I'm liking these uh, these guest selections so far. Yeah, man. Something to learn, some, and they're all different. So uh, for you guys listening at home, there'll be plenty more. So stay tuned. And thanks for listening. If you'd like to support Coconuts and our weird and wondrous stories, you can become a Coco Plus member at coconuts.co slash membership. Make a patron payment at coconuts.co slash patron or buy our fresh merch at the coconut shop at shop.coconuts.co. And remember to subscribe, hit subscribe, leave your reviews, tell us how you feel, what you liked and what you didn't. We're excited to hear from you guys. Woo! Bye! 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 (laughs) The Coconuts Podcast delivers impactful, weird and wondrous reporting by our journalists on the ground in eight cities. Singapore, Bangkok, Hong Kong, Manila, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, Yangon, and Bali. Listen to headline news and insightful interviews on matters large and small designed for people located in or curious about Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. The Coconuts Podcast is a Coconuts Media production. Our hosts are Vim Shanmugam and Summer Lee. Our executive producer is Byron Perry. Our production manager is Clarissa Cortez. Our editor is Rainer Lim. Rainer Lim.